This is Pod With Me. Hey Podheads, I would like to apologize for being gone for so long. I've been working on a big project that I will love to share with you in the upcoming episodes. But for now, I'm back on the pod and it starts now. Are you ready to pod? Let's go! At what age did you guys think about sex? Because I don't even think I knew what sex was in the third grade, or I don't even, I don't think kids know, but do they? I mean, apparently there's something going on because there's a bill in Florida now that they're calling, critics call it the don't say gay bill, and they say it can hurt the LGBTQ students and families. Uh, and the bill currently passed in the Florida House, and it's now in the hands of the state Senate. They say that if this bill passes, any discussion on identity, sex, or sexuality will not be permitted till after the third grade. Uh, the bill argues that this is about the parents' right to know what their kids are being taught. So, I, I, I mean, I don't know why there's a bill going around. I mean, are kids at the third grade having sex? Are they talking about sex? What's going on? For more on the topic, joining the pod today, I have LGBTQ activist Brandon Wolf. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, my name is Brandon Wolf. He, him pronouns. And I am the press secretary at Equality Florida. Uh, Equality Florida is our state's largest LGBTQ civil rights organization, which means we do a lot of education. Uh, we have a huge safe and healthy schools program that helps classrooms be more inclusive of LGBTQ young people. Uh, we do a lot of uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion trainings with state and local agencies, with companies. And then of course, a lot of our work is political. Uh, we work to pass pro-equality policies in Tallahassee and fight some really bad bills that are proposed in the legislature, including the Don't Say Gay bill that we're here to talk about today. Whoa, it seems like you're very busy. Um, yeah, <laughs> very busy. <laughs> so Brandon, at the top of the show, I mentioned more or less what this um, bill was about, but I'm sure there's a lot more to it. Can you give us a little bit more of an explanation? So the bill is not new. Uh, it's not a new concept. It's something that's been proposed and passed in other states. In fact, Tennessee is considering a similar bill right now, but it is really simple in nature. Uh, it would essentially censor conversations about LGBTQ people in schools across the state. The actual language of the bill says that school districts cannot encourage uh, discussion about sexual orientation or gender identity in primary grades or in a way that's not age appropriate. And there's a lot of issues with the language of the bill. Uh, first and foremost, it's very vague. Um, we don't know what the word encourage means in the statute. What does it look like if a school district encourages conversation? What counts as a discussion of sexual orientation and gender identity? And then, of course, we know that, uh, you know, those conversations being had are to acknowledge the existence and value of LGBTQ people in society. So while the language of the bill is broad and vague and maybe difficult to understand, um, its impacts we know would be clear. It could mean that rainbow safe, uh, excuse me, that, it, that rainbow safe space stickers could be peeled off of windows of classrooms. It could mean that the doors to gay straight alliance clubs could be closed forever. Um, there are concerns that if a, a kid with same sex parents, uh, you know, draws their, their parents on a paper for show and tell or brings them to school for career day, that that might be considered encouraging discussion of sexual orientation. So there are real concerns with the bill, and we know that the impacts will rest squarely on the most marginalized in society. It's already hard enough to be a queer kid in this country. Um, LGBTQ kids are four times as likely as their peers to attempt suicide by the time they graduate high school. 
And erasing us, erasing our identities from the classroom is only going to make that worse. So Brandon, are they only talking about the LGBTQ kids or the heterosexual kids as well? Because it's, it's kind of vague, right? It's a really great question. Um, and the bill doesn't specify. Obviously, if the bill said you can't talk about LGBTQ people, that would be a clear violation of constitutional rights. Uh, and so instead, it says you can't have a conversation about sexual orientation or gender identity. And so the question becomes, well, doesn't that mean heterosexual people and cisgender people as well? What about you know, if a, a pregnant woman is the teacher and a kid asks, are you having a boy or a girl? Is she supposed to say, go home and ask your parents? We don't talk about that here. Uh, there are real questions about how far the, the ramifications of this bill could go. And that's a, a product of the vague, broad language that's written onto the page. So for the example you just gave about the pregnant teacher, wouldn't that just be an organic question? Is it a boy or girl? And the teacher just answers and they go on about with their day. I mean, that just happens organically. Well, that's the thing is these conversations about the existence of people and their whole identities happen in classrooms all the time. And, uh, and it's important to note that while these conversations happen all the time and they're a normal part of uh, a child's learning experience, that this bill would serve to chill those conversations. It would make somebody think twice before answering very common sense questions like you're asking because they don't want to risk a lawsuit. It's important to name that the enforcement mechanism of this bill is allowing parents uh, to sue the school and receive a $10,000 reward if it's ruled in their favor that a school district was encouraging this kind of discussion. So um, you can imagine that teachers and schools across the state of Florida, instead of risking it, instead of figuring out if there's legal liability there, would simply uh, not have those conversations at all. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here. I'm sure that there's been lots of parents uh, saying that that's their job. It's the job of the parents to teach the kids about the birds and the bees and not the teachers. And they wouldn't want the teachers getting involved in their kid's life uh, regarding sex or telling them about sex. What do you have to say about that? I mean, do you, do you think the parents have a right to, to question that? Well, let's be clear, there are very clear guidelines around curriculum in schools. Um, there are already very clear things laid out that are agreed upon by the Department of Education, the state of Florida. Um, what we're talking about is whether or not a teacher should be able to acknowledge the existence and value of LGBTQ people in the classroom. Um, there is a dangerous line here that we tow when people begin to equate the existence of LGBTQ people with conversations about sex or sex education, those two things are not the same thing. Uh, LGBTQ parents have a right to be acknowledged as parents, just as everyone else's parents do in the classroom. Uh, you know, LGBTQ historical figures deserve to be seen in their full identities. We have to be able to say that Harvey Milk was who he was because of the impact that he had on LGBTQ people. Um, and so the question in this bill is not, you know, should we change sex ed curriculum? Those, those words are not even on the page of the bill, but rather should classrooms be able to acknowledge the existence and value of LGBTQ people? And I think the answer is clearly yes. Yeah, so I guess this bill goes beyond sexuality. It goes also about being able to speak about who you are and what sex you identify with, right? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, I, I think it's important to say out loud that LGBTQ people are not at higher risk of depression and anxiety and suicide simply because they are LGBTQ. 
they're at higher risk of those things because they face bullying, because they face discrimination, because they face family rejection and isolation because of who they are. And the answer to those crises is not to further stigmatize or isolate LGBTQ people, but rather to affirm young people and to tell them that they are beautiful and whole exactly as they are, that the, the fabric of society is rich and diverse and that everyone has a unique place in it to be celebrated. When we do those things from you know, a very early age, when we acknowledge that the world is full of different beautiful people and they're all perfect exactly as they are, we set young people up to succeed. I know what it felt like to be a queer person of color in this country and not feel represented in that's curriculum, what, in books, in movies. And that's what I was about to ask you. What was it like for you in school? It was really hard for me uh, to be a queer young person in America. Um, I graduated high school in 2006. And so when I was a sophomore in high school, 2004 was during the reelection campaign of, of George W. Bush. And if you remember, um, he, essentially propelled himself back into the White House on the backs of trying to ban gay marriage across the country. And so as a sophomore in high school, I remember my home state of Oregon uh, passing a constitutional ban on same-sex marriage and these conversations about whether I was a valid human being worthy of affirmation and celebration trickling down into the school population. I remember people picketing outside of our school when the first kids came out of the closet and it felt incredibly isolating. I don't think I've ever felt as alone in my life as I did then. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think about how much different my life would have been if I had been able to see myself represented in the classroom, if I had felt like I wasn't the only person on earth going through what I was going through, if I had believed, if someone had told me that I was of value and I had something to offer the world, I can't imagine how different my life would have been. Um, and, and that's, I think, what we want for all young people is a space where they can be given everything they need to be their best, the best version of themselves. For you, those years were really bad or did you balance it out? Was, did you have any good times? Oh, yeah, of course. I had great times. I had great mm -hmm. friends. Um, but I do think it's important to note that part of what was great about my experience uh, in school was having a classroom where I could belong, having a teacher that allowed me to just be myself. Um, having people that stuck up for me at school. The spaces that were safe for some of my other peers were not safe for me. Home was not a safe place to be after school. Church was not a safe place to be on the weekends, but there were classrooms at school that were safe with teachers who okay. saw me and affirmed me and valued me. Um, and those were the best of times. But I do think there's been a lot of progress since back then. And many people are more open to it now, uh, as long as there's a mutual respect, right? Yeah, we've well, we've made a lot of progress as a society. Um, and you're right, I think, you know, a vast majority of people see LGBTQ people as equal. Um, a vast majority of people now believe that that same sex marriage should be legal in this country. That is a pretty recent development for us as a society. Um, but it is a little terrifying that we are having these conversations still, um, like the Don't Say Gay Bill and others. Um, you know, and it's 2022. Yeah, I would have thought that we had moved on from these conversations that, mm -hmm. you know, two dads being represented in a book alongside heterosexual couples wouldn't cause a, an uproar at a school board meeting and, and have the book banned, but we're still there and there's still progress to be made. Right before it, um, this happens right now, um, and that book was banned when? When was that? When did that happen? 
Uh, I mean, it's an ongoing conversation right now. There are a couple of school districts right now talking about banning books. The books were there. So we've come a long way and people are a lot more accepting. But for the last couple of years, there's been this whole acceptance of transgender and gender identity in school and pronouns. Do you think because of this is the reason why we're going backwards? Well, I think politicians have found a way to weaponize fear of the unknown. Absolutely. I think our society is having conversations about transgender people that we've never had before. We're having yeah. conversations about gender identity that we've not had publicly before. And that makes people uncomfortable because they don't understand it. Uh, and, and then politicians turn around and weaponize it. What I would push back on is show me the place where a first grader is being taught complex gender theory. Um, it's not happening. These books are being that are that are being banned. These conversations that we're having are representing LGBTQ people living alongside everyone else. And the fact that that causes an uproar, that that would cause books to be banned. I mean, you know, we are talking about books again that have on one page two dads hanging out with their son. On the next page, it's mom and dad hanging out with their daughter. Yeah. Um, and the presence of two dads on one page is enough for people to say it needs to come off the shelf. My question is, how long has it been on the shelf? Because I don't know, because I'm not in the school and, and that whole thing, but how long has it been on the shelf? It's a good question. I mean, it depends on the district, right? It depends on when the book is released. But, um, you know, these, I would say that we, we made a ton of progress in the 2010 to 2015 range. Obviously, 2015, uh, we secured marriage equality via a Supreme Court ruling, which was huge. Um, and that changed a lot for people, right? Uh, yeah, the, yeah. the process of winning marriage equality was not about like poking holes in policy somewhere, but it was about people standing up, holding hands and saying, love is love. This is what right. love looks like. It deserves to be recognized like everyone else. Um, but there was inevitable backlash coming to that. The people who never felt that was appropriate in our society, it's not as if they disappeared overnight. Do you think that those um, people that have not left overnight um, now are finding any excuse uh, to come back and give it another fight? Because in the recent years, it's been all about the pronouns and the transgender, but, the pro but to teach young kids pronouns and for it's okay for a third grader uh, to change sex. And all this is a lot to take in for a lot of people. Well, I, I would push back and say this, that uh, opponents to equality have always targeted the most vulnerable parts of our community and have always tried to paint our community as something to be ashamed of. It was, you know, gay and, and lesbian folks in the beginning that that was the lightning rod. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there were, you think about Stonewall, you think about people being dragged away in handcuffs mm -hmm. because they were, you know, gay or lesbian. You think about conversations that were had during the HIV and AIDS epidemic about, you know, well, this is a gay thing. And, and you know, there were people arguing that that maybe it was divine retribution. There have always been these arguments to try to paint LGBTQ people as shameful. They just move throughout the community to find the thing that people understand the least. Um, and right now, that is transgender people in in society. It's not as if transgender people haven't always existed because they have. Transgender people have been around forever. Um, the, what's happening now is that they're the ones being especially targeted by policy. Uh, they already face more difficult times in, in our communities. Uh, you know, Black trans women are murdered at a far higher rate than anyone else in the LGBTQ community. They already 
um, struggle with with things like you know getting their name changed on an ID and being respected as they are. Um, and then you add on top of that that they're being targeted by opponents to equality through policy, and that's where we end up with this conversation that we're having. Anytime uh, people are forced to experience something or someone that they don't understand, uh, it it makes people uncomfortable, right? Change is hard. Uh, things that we don't understand and can't control are challenging for us to wrap our minds around. And so I do think that that conversations about transgender people um, have brought up people's issues with whether or not they, you know, they're comfortable with change and with having new conversations about people they don't understand. Um, but I, but I will also tell you that in talking to young people, I don't hear young people telling me that, you know, calling their friend he or she uh, is, is the thing that's, that's derailing their education or that it even bothers them. Okay. Um, All right. Interesting. Okay. All right, Brandon. So what are the next steps? What is it that we need to do to help? Well, I would encourage everybody to check out Equality Florida. You can go to eqfl.org. Um, I would encourage everyone to stay engaged on this issue. Um, you know, I, I want to want to underscore that all of us want young people to thrive. That's at the end of the day, that's that's what we all want from from kids education. We all want everyone to be able to go to school learn the skills they need, go out into the world and be successful adults. Um, and in order to do that, schools have to be a safe and welcoming environment for everyone. Um, that includes for LGBTQ people. And it's our job right now to defend those safe spaces, the kind of safe spaces that saved my life at one point. Uh, those are worth defending right now. And so I would encourage everyone to check us out at Equality Florida, get involved, um, call legislators, tell them that this is not what they should be focused on in the first place. Uh, we have other issues here in the state of Florida that we'd like them to be focused on. I'd like to know what they're gonna do about the cost of rent in my city that went up 29% last year. Where, where are you at, um, <laughs> I'm in Orlando. Okay, you're not far away. I'm in Miami. Yeah, not, okay. not too far away. Um, and and just let them know that that, you know, that those safe spaces in schools are, are worth protecting, that LGBTQ young people, their parents, uh, they deserve to be respected right alongside everybody else. And do you have a message for those parents that do not understand why it's important that this bill does not pass? Sure. Um, you don't want it to be your child. That's one of the statistics uh, that's out there. I told you that LGBTQ kids are four times more likely to attempt suicide by the time they graduate high school. It's also true that uh, of homeless youth in the state of Florida, 40% identify as LGBTQ. Um, those kids are really hurting, they're struggling, and unfortunately, some of them lose their lives. Um, we can save those lives. We can save those lives, whether they're your child or not. Um, but in order to do that, we have to work together to make sure that schools reflect our values, that they reflect the kind of, uh, the, the way that we wanna treat one another, um, and so I'm just asking everyone to care and to get involved, whether you're a parent, whether you're not. Uh, we, are all, we, we all should be invested in the well-being and the safety of these kids. Um, and that means we've got to go out and defend the spaces that, that should be safe for all of them. Well said, Brandon. Thank you so much for being on the pod. And uh, one more thing. Don't fall off the pod. Hey, Podheads, if you have not done so, you can download our very own app. It's available at all app stores. 
And there's no excuse for missing out on the pod because the pod is available wherever you can listen to a podcast. Ready.